Welcome to the Battlestat Sports Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. Welcome to the Battlestat Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Nino's Corner Battle. Uh, I know, guys, it's been a while since I've been on, since the holidays, right? So it's been a few weeks, been a couple weeks, actually. But we're going to talk about some Texas Longhorn football today. Um, you know, of course, Texas uh, won their their 12th game, well, their last game of the season, pushing a record to 7-5. Um, they beat uh, Texas Tech this past weekend. Um, yeah, but the that wasn't the news that – that was the most important thing that came out of this this past week. Um, Texas fired uh, their offense and their defensive coordinator. Well, they fired the defensive coordinator and the wide receiver coach and reassigned their offensive coordinator to primarily be the the uh, quarterback's coach here. And Texas is on the worldwide search now for their new defensive coordinator and a new offensive coordinator. So, um, you know, it was it was needed. The defense and the offense have definitely regressed in in year three, uh, especially coming off a of high, uh, you know, winning 10 wins last season. Um, now Texas is seven and five. They're going to a bowl game. They have, they have the potential to go eight and five this season, but this is not the season that the Texas Longhorn fans anticipated. Um, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball uh, today, though, guys. We're going to talk about Todd Orlando and why he got fired in and why he failed here at Texas. So if you take a, a deeper look into Todd Orlando this season, um, Texas came in, uh, well, Texas finished the season ranked the eighth defense in the Big 12 and 108th, guys. Yes, 108 in total defense across the country. Um, one of the worst seasons in in Texas defensive, in, in the defensive stats in Texas history, um, just kind of mind-boggling considering where the program came from, guys. So the year prior to Tom Herman coming uh, into Austin to take over as head coach for the University of Texas, um, and Charlie Strong's last year in 2016, right, the Longhorns were number 94. They were the number 94 defense in the country. Um, when when Herman gets in, he assigns Todd Orlando to be his, uh, his defensive coordinator, um, and things were bright. You know, we were expecting this this offense to carry the team, you know, in that first year because Tom Herman is an offensive-minded uh, coach. However, it was the direct opposite. The offense struggled that year, and the defense really carried this team. Todd Orlando propelled that team from being the number 94-ranked defense in 2016 to his first year in 2017, moving that, uh, that defense up 53 spots to number 41 defense in the country in 2017, man. So we were all happy about this, guys. The fans were happy. The brass at uh, Texas was happy. Um, they were uh, in fear that other teams would would be calling to make Todd Orlando the head coach, primarily probably UConn or 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 Utah State or something of that nature, but primarily UConn. I think they had a job opening that year. And, you know, so what did we do at Texas? Um, we overreacted and we paid uh, uh, Todd Orlando um, more money than than what he was making. I think we bumped his salary up, guys. Uh, I'm saying we like I actually put in my checkbook, but I think Texas bumped his salary up to $1.7 million, guys, for the next three years or so. Um, so, you know, we 
we pay him. And then 2018 season happens, um, which the red flag started to happen. Um, in 2018, the Texas defense fell from 41 to 67 in the country. Um, the defense struggled. The offense saved us time and time again. And um, Texas Longhorn fans, we were uh, a bit of shock and a bit of awe. Even though we finished 9-3 and three in the regular season, lost the bowl game. I'm sorry, lost the Big 12 championship game, bringing us to 8 and – I'm sorry, 9-4. and four. Uh, But we went to the Sugar Bowl um, and beat Georgia. Georgia happened. We beat the second-best team in the SEC. The defense looked amazing. Um, and Tarlinda was forgiven. And then guess what happens now, guys? 2019 happens. The 2019 season happens. Think about this for a minute, guys. There are only 130 eligible teams to be stratified and ranked when it comes to total defenses and total offenses. Texas finished 108. How in the hell did this happen? One thing I can say, guys, is uh, these are my thoughts on here on how this happened, why the defense um, regressed the way that it did. And it's because the Texas defense uh, allowed an excessive amount of explosive plays over the season. And we'll get into those details. Um, So the Texas defense allowed um, 101 explosive plays over the season. And when I talk about explosive plays, guys, explosive plays are plays that are 15 yards or more at the college level. Um, So 101 explosive plays for 2,699 yards which resulted in over 52% of the total yards allowed by that Texas defense. So over half of the yards allowed by the Texas defense came from explosive plays. And like I said, explosive plays, guys, are 15 yards or more. The average explosive play against Texas defense was 27 yards per explosive play. Freaking unheard of, freaking insane for the amount of talent that Texas had. They have, they had just just a year ago, probably the best or one of the best defensive back overhauls in the recruiting classes in modern history when it comes um, um, to to getting recruits. Uh, you had uh, Overshawn, you had uh, who's who's a, a budding, I mean, uh, a budding star. That the kid's amazing. You had, had Overshawn, you had Jalen Green, Anthony Cook. Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster. You're talking about the three top safeties in the country and two of probably the top five cornerbacks in the country are all coming to Texas. Um, So, yeah, Uh, but that happened. That happened. Explosive plays happened. Texas averaged almost – Texas's defense averaged almost allowing 10 explosive plays a game. So let's take a look. The only – let's let's, let's, see, let's see. So 10 explosive plays per game, guys. If you go through the numbers, LaTeX had five explosive plays against us. LSU had 15. Rice had four. All right. So Okie State had seven. West Virginia had eight. Um, OU had 12. That was a loss. KU had 11 against us. We almost lost that one. TCU had seven. That was a loss. Iowa State had five. That was a loss. No, I'm sorry. Kansas State had five. That was a win. Iowa State had eight. That was a loss. Baylor had seven. That was a loss. And Texas Tech had 12. We won that game. Now, if you take a look, if we expand upon this, these, these numbers, guys, right? So in the five losses that we had, the explosive play count was 15 for, for LSU, 
uh, 12 for OU, uh, 7 for TCU, 8 for ISU for Iowa State, and 7 for Baylor. Those are the five losses that we had. All right, now if we dig a little bit deeper into that, guys, let's take a look at the LSU game. All right, um, so uh, LSU uh, had a 22.39 explosive play rate, meaning that just a tad over 22% of their plays against the Texas defense were explosive plays, right? Um, so their explosive play yardage, guys, their explosive play yardage was 383 yards from explosive plays. That's 67% of their total offensive output when it came to that game. But I said it's inexcusable. That is so inexcusable. 60 Two-thirds of the yardage, the, the total yardage gained against the Texas defense by LSU were from explosive plays. This cannot happen if you are a top-tier team or trying to be one because obviously Texas was not a top-tier team this year. Um, not only did they allow 67% of the total offensive output from LSU being from explosive plays, their explosive play average is 25.5 yards per play when it came against the Texas defense. Totally abysmal. Now, let's flip it to our, our biggest rival, Oklahoma. Oklahoma uh, had a 19.05% explosive play rate, guys, meaning that 19% of their plays were explosive in nature, over 15 yards per play. Now, over 15 yards per play, but guess what? It was 26.9, so basically 27 yards per explosive play that was uh, uh, divvied out against the Texas defense on the 12 explosive plays that were that were um, uh, completed by the University of Oklahoma. Those explosive plays, guys, accounted for 323 yards of Oklahoma's total offensive output, 64% of the Sooners' total yards were from explosive plays, guys. This cannot happen. This cannot freaking happen. Let's look at some more of the losses, guys. TCU, they only had 11% of their, their plays were explosive in nature. But guess what? That accounted for 47% of their total yardage in the game. Nearly half of their yards came from explosive plays. <clears throat> if you look at uh, Iowa State. Only 10% of their plays are explosive in nature, but 45% of their yardage are from explosive plays. And one explosive play that I cannot get out of my head was after the first half when Iowa State threw a ball for 75 yards and a touchdown. Inexcusable. One play, touchdown. Baylor, 10%, I'm sorry, 11% of their plays were explosive in nature and 45% were of, of, of total yardage came from explosive plays. So, if you look at the per down basis, guys, let's let's check this out. Um, I'll call the money down, guys. The money down is third down. How can you get your team off the field? How effective are you on third down? That will decide how efficient and effective your defense is. Texas was not good on third downs this year, guys. Um, but if you take a look at the explosive play rate on third down. <clears throat> In the 12 games that they played so far this year, in seven of those games, their explosive play uh, 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 allowance rate was the highest on third down. Louisiana Tech, 14.3% um, 
let me see, let me see, 14.3% of their first down, uh, no, I'm sorry, 14.3% of their explosive plays happened on third down. Against LSU, 25% of their explosive plays happened on third down. That bested second down by, let me see, it was 23.81 for second down, and first down was 20.59%, but 25% on third down. Um, against Rice, we're not going to even count Rice. Um, that was a non-factor. Oklahoma State, 15% of their explosive plays came on third down, which was the highest total for first, second, and third down for Oklahoma State. Against West Virginia, Texas defense shut down that explosive play rate on third down to 0%. Way to go in that game. Against OU, uh, first down was 23.3% of their explosive plays were on first down, 15% were on second down, 18.18% were on third down. Now let's look at the Kansas game. Kansas game, 11% on first down, 7.4% of their explosive plays were on second down, and 15.8% of their explosive plays were on third down. So against Kansas, uh, 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 their third down explosive play rate was the highest amongst all downs. Against TCU, 0% on second down, well, let's go 12.9% on first down, 0% on second down, 23.08%. So 23.1% on third down, highest uh, explosive play rate was on third down against TCU. Lost. Kansas State, we won the game. Uh, however, their third down explosive play rate was 18.2%. Highest of all the downs uh, that, that Kansas State had against Texas. Against uh, Iowa State, uh, the, the defense actually played pretty well. 13.51% on first down for their explosive rate, 12% on second down, and 0% on third down. That game was primarily offense. Same thing with Baylor, 10.7% uh, on first down, 10% on second down, and a 7.7% exposed play rate on third down. And then Texas Tech, even though we won the game, 12.5% on first down, 16% on second down, 20% on third down, this team still gave up a bunch of explosive plays. Now, that's my theory on why um, Tarlando failed. I um, mean, can I get his team out the field on third downs? He allowed far too many explosive plays within the system, um, and it continued every year. It's like the Big 12 figured out what he did, and they took it away from him. Now, the key thing here is why were there so many explosive plays? And I have my theory. So I put this up on, on Twitter, and one of the guys on Twitter left a comment on, yeah, the stats are great, but we need to figure out why this happened. And, and we all know what happened, guys. Um. Texas runs a three-man defensive line, all right? A three-man defensive line. Um, and a three-man defensive line, Texas was not getting any pressure on the quarterback. Uh, the only person who was very disruptive, I think, on that three-man line was probably Keandre Coburn because he is fit to be a true 3-4 uh, nose tackle. Um, but it, but you had five guys against three. Texas rel Texas did not like to bring four four down linemen all the time, so they would get behind the chains. You know, um, uh, opposing teams would be very efficient and effective on first and second downs, causing third downs to be a manageable um, yardage total for an opposing team. Um, Texas would bring the house for some odd reason and bring. 15, I'm just exaggerating, bring 15 people on a late blitz, leaving guys one-on-one -on -one coverage, and our cornerbacks, our young cornerbacks and safeties will get beat. Uh, unacceptable. Texas has to do better at getting at the quarterback. Um, a four-man front is definitely necessary for this team. I would love to see a guy like Joseph Asai bulk up, put on about 20 pounds, and be a defensive end. 
because I think that's where his true um, his true strength is, is rushing the passer. He's one of the best pass rushers that we have in this team. Um, I could definitely imagine that uh, a defensive line of Keandre Colburn, uh, Ojimo, as their two defensive tackles, and your ends being a guy like Bimich and a guy like Joseph Asai. Um, and then, uh, man, I, you know what? I'm forgetting take on Graham. Gee, I mean, take on Graham is really good if he's in the right system. And I think a 4-3 system would be perfect with that. And our linebackers uh, would, would benefit because uh, our four down linemen would take up uh, space on that line, um, uh, creating gaps that these linebackers can go and execute and make tackles. Four down linemen gets better pressure. The more pressure you get on the quarterback, the the less time he has to throw the ball, the less time he has to throw the ball, the better the coverage is going to be uh, for the cornerbacks against the wide receivers. We all know that cornerbacks can essentially only cover wide receiver for about three seconds before a wide receiver is going to get free. Um, so if you can get some pressure on that quarterback uh, within that three seconds, then your your cornerbacks, your cornerbacks and defensive backs are going to have an opportunity to make plays on the ball because they're going to be in, in some pretty damn good coverage against those wide receivers. Uh, so whoever Texas hires as their next defensive coordinator. Uh, looks like Chris Ash has been a name that's been thrown around. He was the co-defensive uh, coordinator at Ohio State uh, when Tom Herman uh, was the offensive coordinator there during the national championship year. Um, and I've been hearing a, a lot of buzz about um, Chris Ash in, 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 in regards to the fact that um, he has immediately turned around a team's uh passing defense um, as far as improving it um, um, initially once he gets to a school, uh, which is something that Texas needs. But Texas has to put some pressure on his quarterback. And if that means going to a four down lineman and putting your your guys in the correct spots and letting them go pin their ears back and get the quarterback, then that's what this team needs to do. Joseph Asai does not need to be backpedaling. Joseph Asai needs to be uh, running towards the quarterback and causing havoc. Uh, Marquez Bemish does not need to be backpedaling. He needs to be causing havoc. Byron Vons, who showed some flashes this year, does not need to be backpedaling. He needs to be putting the quarterback on his butt. Um, so, yeah, guys, that's why I think Todd Orlando failed. I think he failed because he allowed far too many explosive plays. Um, not only did he allow far too many explosive plays, the result of, of of not getting pressure on the quarterback allowed teams to um, get a bunch of explosive plays on him. And like I said before, guys, Texas allowed 101 explosive plays over 12 games this season at 2,699 yards of explosive plays, accounting for 52% of the total yards gained on this Texas defense were from explosive plays. And that is from a lack of pressure on the quarterback and these defensive backs not being able to stay with these lethal wide receivers in the Big 12 Conference. Um, you got to think, these guys every week are going against guys like CeeDee Lamb, Charleston Rambo, um, Rager out there at, at uh, TCU, uh, the Oklahoma State guys, Justice uh, – uh, I can't think of the guy's name. The one who ate Texas up a couple years, well, last year. Um, um, just a bunch of good wide receivers in this league. Uh, Baylor has um, Mims, uh, who's amazing. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, TCU, you know, has Rager, like I said. Kansas has has a good guy, and they also got that good running back, um, you know, you know, from New Orleans, that uh Cooper. Uh, OU has a plethora of uh wideouts. West Virginia had a pretty decent one. Oklahoma State, um, Justice Wallace. Is it Wallace? Yeah, anyways, uh guy's gonna be playing on Sundays. Uh Rice didn't have anybody. LSU, Jesus Christ. They had three five stars out there between Terrence Marshall and the rest of those guys, um, Jefferson and I forgot the third guy's name, but yeah, if when you're oh and La Tech, I can't forget Adrian Hardy. I mean, Texas went against some good wide receivers. So for these defensive backs to stay with these wide receivers, there has to be pressure on the quarterback and Texas defense didn't bring it. Hopefully our next defensive coordinator that Tom that that Tom Herman brings in um is a guy who knows how to effectively get pressure on the quarterback with his down lineman so that um these guys can cover a little bit better. We don't have to bring the blitz and sell out on third downs like we did far too many times. Third and seventeen rings too much in my head. I don't even want to think about third and seventeen anymore. But anyways, guys, on that note, I will not leave you guys uh alone for two weeks at a time anymore it's just the holiday season a bunch of family in and i'm pretty sure you guys had a bunch of family a bunch of holiday stuff going on too but thanks for listening guys um you know just go to uh uh sports.com or hornscorner.com guys um you know and and you can see all the content there i've also changed um my, my uh, Twitter handle is going to be Nino's Corner now, guys. It's the whole thing, N-I-N-O-S Corner. Uh, and so that's going to be my Twitter handle. You'll see everything come out of there. It's going to be a one-stop shop for everything I do. You know, guys, I do books. I do music. I do uh, these these websites. Uh, I also keynote speak every now and then. So it's just easy for me to have everything controlled out of one account. But um, thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate everything. And let's see what Texas does with these coordinators. I'll get back on here next week. I want to talk about that. And maybe I'll do a, a, a Tim Beck section. So, anyways, guys, uh, Nick Nino's Corner Battle. I'm out. Horns Corner out. BattleStatsports.com out. Thanks for listening.